Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Humor comes in a lot of forms. You know, it's, it's about enjoyment. Humor is the expression of enjoyment. It's not just telling jokes. You can tell jokes and not be funny. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the worlds of business, sport, and entertainment who are going to share their wisdom and their use of humor. Humorology is the study of how humour can dramatically improve your business success and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast has, for over 40 years, continually developed new human change technologies. He is the co-developer of neuro-linguistic programming, and his mantra is, the easier you can make it inside your head, the easier it will make it outside your head. He has used his skills to bring businesses back from the brink and brought creativity and charisma to hundreds of thousands of people and corporations around the globe. As well as being considered by many to be the best hypnotist in the world, he is a master of mirth and makes humour fundamental to his magnificent masterclasses. One of my personal favourite quotes of his is... People say one day you are going to look back at this and laugh. My question is, why wait? Dr. Richard Bandler, welcome to the Humorology Podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Paul. Uh, well, it's fabulous to have you. And as ever, uh, you know, I'm a great fan and I've uh, been following your work and obviously trained with you over the years. Um I know you love Bertram Russell, and he said, the world is full of magical things, patiently waiting for our wits to grow sharper. How true do you believe that to be? Uh, well, I have to tell you, when I was in college, I started reading a lot of different philosophy things. He was like one of the few that made any sense. Um, most of it was nonsense, but he was a very sharp guy. And so he discovered a lot of things. And uh, over the years, I, you know, I keep that in mind that, that, that if you open your eyes and your ears, uh, you, you find things. There's, there's nothing like the truth to make things easier, quicker, faster, and more fun. 
Well, that uh, that's the truth is everything, isn't it? Really? Well, actually, you always say love is everything uh, as well. Said, don't freedom you? is everything and love is all the rest. Oh, uh, that's what sets you free. Usually it's when you look at things and you discover how stupid you're being and you start laughing and then you start learning. Well, well, that's what the Humorology podcast is all about, laughing and learning. So was the young Richard Bandler always amusing or amused or did you have to learn it over the years? Uh, my sense of humor has started growing from uh, the very beginning. It was a necessity. Um, that to me, uh, if, if you can't start laughing at the dumbass things you do, then you never learn smarter things. Uh, and if you look at my first book, you can tell how serious I was. Um, it's so academic, it could be used as a tranquilizer. But describe the young Richard Bandler. What was he actually like? Was he, was he mischievous? Was he, you know, somebody who was playing pranks? In many ways, I was a hard ass. And in many ways, I was just looking to find what works. I have a low tolerance for crap and bullshit. And one of the reasons, I mean, I never intended to get into all the things I did. Uh, you know, I started out as an information science person, which was the beginning of computer technologies back when computers were humongously big in four-story buildings and they kept the computers at zero temperature and the people wore heavy jackets. The idea of a laptop was probably inconceivable at that time. Uh, you know, the fact that your phone would have more technology than they had on the, the shots that went to the moon, uh, it, you know, was just not something that, you know, the idea you could carry your phone around. When I was young, a phone weighed so much you could kill somebody with it. But, you know, I was fairly serious, but I was also kind of a party animal. You know, I, you know, I rode a motorcycle and hung around with people that like to have fun. And when I encountered things that were too serious, because you get it a lot in school, you know, you certainly get it on TV. Uh, uh, and you watch these politicians act real serious and not do a thing they say they're gonna do, that I just, I learned to be distrustful of what people tell me is the truth and try to find things that just work. And if people told me to do something one way and it didn't work, then I started looking for an easier way. Because uh, as Moshe Feldenkrais said, you know, where it all comes is from the elusive obvious. And when we get through the blinders that we have on, we find out what works. And uh, certainly the field of psychology was abundantly a wealth of place to do that. I mean, when I started, there were 160 schools of psychotherapy all claiming they had the right approach when they couldn't systematically solve a single problem. And to me, the answer seemed really obvious when people told me how they couldn't do things and uh, instead of why they couldn't do them because I'm not really interested in causality. You know, we, Einstein proved that was nonsense a long time ago. And uh, so I've, I've always been more of a science person but I've always applied it to life and and if you really listen to people when they talk, they are quite funny. And when they start laughing at themselves is when they start changing. If people change the way they think, it changes how they feel and therefore it changes what they can do. And the, the irony is they've been doing it their whole life. You know, uh, It's just they get stuck in loops because they learn too well. And some of the things we learn are utterly useless and stupid. 
and people who continue to do them, uh, number one, are unhappy, and number two, lose money. Uh, they lose time. The currency of living is how you spend your moments. And that's not just true in your personal life. That's immensely true in your business. That, you know, the more times you have to do the same thing, uh, the more inefficient it is. And if what you're doing doesn't work, then it's really inefficient. And when I've been hired to go into companies, the solutions to whatever I'm brought in to find are usually immensely obvious coming from the outside. That, you know, people have basic beliefs and they don't look outside them. Uh, so therefore, they're looking for the answer where it isn't. And when you look for the answer where it isn't, you don't find it. Well, it's a very interesting because do you think that people actually think themselves out of being humorous as well then? I mean, or talk themselves out of it or convince themselves that they're not humorous? Part of my job with people, especially private clients, is to, is to get them to, to see that what they're doing is, is, is funny enough to laugh at. You know, I mean, I, I usually start my teaching seminars off by asking people is, you know, is there somebody in here that thinks about the same bad memory over and over and over again? And, you know, if you worry about a problem for 30 minutes a day, you, you've wasted 150 plus hours. And that means 10 years, it's 1,500 hours. And, if, and 40 years, you know, it's 6,000 hours. And when I ask people, you know, to look, I say, well, so you're planning. And they go, well, I'm not planning it. It just happens. And I go, no, that you told me this is your plan, that you can count on doing this in the future. You have to participate in it. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. And, you know, if you don't make the pictures and say the things to yourself and make the feelings, then you, you get back this enormous gift of time. And when you laugh at a mistake, it saves you enormous amounts of time if you know I, I i went in and did a sales training once and a guy had two furniture stores one on either side of the road and you couldn't get off the exit unless you went miles down so he built another one on the other side of the road and oddly enough the new store was selling 40 percent more stuff than the store on this side with the same number of people the exact same stuff same floor plan, everything is identical. And he hired me and he goes, well, he said, what's the difference between them? And, uh, and I said, well, I said, the people that were at the first store have been there longer, so they're more stuck in the same, in the way they're doing things. The new people don't know what they're doing, so they're trying to find out. And I went into the old store and I asked the sales force, I said, when somebody comes in the door, I said, which people can't you sell something to? And one guy said, well, he said, a lot of people come in with somebody that knows more about it, you know, that's, you know, as, you know, older or, you know, has bought a lot of furniture and they haven't. And you know, that person's going to talk them out of whatever you say. And I said, so when you see somebody come in with somebody who's going to help them buy something, you think I'm not going to sell a couch. And I'm thinking, I got two people to sell couches to. And as soon as you change your belief, you start looking for, all I got to do is convince the expert and the other guy comes automatically. If I can sell a couch to the guy that's the expert, so all I got to figure out is how he knows when he wants to buy something. And I'm not even subtle about it. I, you know, 
I, I sat in the furniture store. I walked up to people when they walked the front door and I said, let me ask you a question. How do you know when you're going to buy something? Watch where their eyes moved and they'd go, well, when it looks just right. So I know exactly where to put my brochure. And, you know, if, if you pay attention to human beings, they'll tell you exactly what you don't, what you need to know. And, you know, if you take your problems too seriously, and most of the time I start exaggerating what they're doing. When I run sales training programs, I usually run them at the worst of times. You know, during, you know, the, the late seventies, there was the oil embargo and they couldn't sell really expensive cars. And I went in and sold Mercedes, which probably got the lowest mileage of any car at the time. And I went in, there were four salesmen just sitting there looking depressed. And I took the most expensive car and left, came back an hour later with four people and had the salesman, you know, I said, this guy wants a red one. This guy wants a blue one. This guy wants a silver one. You guys fill out the paperwork and I'll split the commission with you. One guy afterwards walked up to me, he goes, where did you find these people? And I went outside. <laughs> there's no one here, you go to where they are. And I thought, where would be the people? And so, of course, I thought country club. So uh, I drove through the golf course up to the country club, walked in the door and said, who wants to be happy for the rest of your life? You know, nobody's going to say no to that. And brought him outside and tried to, and the guy goes, he goes, well, what about the gas mileage? And I said, number one, this isn't going to last forever. But number two, I can put a tank in the back with an extra 75 gallons. People say necessity is the mother of invention. And I say humorous. You know, when you, people go, oh, we could never get there. The plane won't make it that far. Oh, terrible. So we'll just sit here and do nothing. That's the wrong approach. You got to go, well, that's stupid. You know, if the tank doesn't hold enough, put another tank on. Seems obvious. But most people in their life aren't looking for what's obvious. They come in and they tell me, you know, they go, well, I've got all these problems I've blown out of proportion. And I go, well, how big are they? And they go, what do you mean? And I go, well, they're blown out of proportion. It's a picture in your head. I said, go, well, can you see the sides of it? And some people go, no. You know, and I go, well, put a border around it, shrink it down. Most of the things that really change people are putting things in perspective. When for a moment you step outside yourself and look at yourself and go, this is really stupid. I've been doing this for years and feeling bad. Enough is enough. And I found that happens to people naturally. It just takes too long. So I try to speed the process up. The actual quote for me is, you know, you're going to, people say you're going to look back on this and laugh. My policy is why wait? Do it now and move on. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I'll correct that then. But I love your new quote, which is humor is the mother of invention. I just think that's brilliant. It also, it, it displays the attitude that gets, that moves you forward. Also, one of your other quotes that I love is disappointment requires adequate planning. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't know when to be disappointed or what to be disappointed about. And uh, I went to advanced systems planning at one of the largest corporations in the United States back when I had an R&D company to try to convince them that we had a, a, a storage system that wasn't magnetic. It was actually holographic and on film. And when I went in there, I, I, instead of listening to, to how far ahead of time this was, uh, the people that were there went, well, you know, film is, is too delicate. We could never use it. So I took the prototype, turned it on its side and slapped it while it was running. And because the truth is a hologram, everything is everywhere instead of something is somewhere. So you don't get an error rate, just doesn't happen. But yet what got in the way of their even exploring the idea as they kept going, well, you know, someday we'll figure out how to do this with magnetic storage systems. And literally said to me, there's no future for optics in computer. And of course, we all have optical disks now in our computers. They're everywhere. They're in your iPod. They're in everything. But it took them, you know, it's like IBM thinking there wasn't a future for personal computers. What makes you laugh, Richard? People, mostly. Um, the more serious they are, the more I end up laughing. Uh, you know, I, that. Most of, most of my life I've spent training people and I'm kind of in the edutainment business. Uh, you know, they force people to go to school and bore them to death for years and then wonder why they don't learn that much. Because if you don't make learning feel good, people don't do it. That it, it's only really when you can create an environment where people are having fun. And it's pretty easy because uh, most people will if you really listen to what they're saying, you can find the nonsense in it. And, you know, I mean, I even hear myself talk sometimes and burst out laughing because I, you know, I sit sometimes I just say really ridiculous things. And uh, if, if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't move on. And I think this is especially true 
in science, you know, when they start talking about the limits, you know, that one time they didn't think you could go faster than the speed of sound, and yet bullets fly faster than the speed of sound. Uh, you know, it's just nonsense, you know, that I don't know why they believed it, but finally, you know, uh, Chuck Yeager got in the plane, went up and did it, went, no, nope, not a problem. Uh, that the limits of science are in what we believe. Uh, Einstein one time was accosted by somebody at Princeton. She asked him, she said, well, can you explain to me just something about the universe? And he said, yes, it gives us everything. And if you look at the universe that way and realize that we're not in it, we are both a part and a part of it. From the beginning of time till now, we're all made out of the same cosmic stuff. And uh, if the limits in what we can understand are the limits in what we can understand, they're not the limits in what's possible. I think that's very profound and beautiful. But uh, tell me a funny story about something that's happened to you that has had a profound effect on, on the way you've thought about life and, and the world. When I first went into business, I, I, I made terrible mistakes. And uh, one of them was, you know, on the, when I formed my first corporation, I put my lawyer and my accountant uh, on my board of directors when I was already paying them for advice. I met a guy who, who at the time was running GRT, which controlled about 20% of the music industry. It's, his name is on the patent for things like the microwave oven. And uh, when I met him, he said to me, he goes, he goes, he goes, why don't you have me on your board of directors? And I thought this guy's running multi-million dollar corporation. I said, why would you want to do it? And he said, because I like this. And when I discovered that people, you know, in business were doing it because they enjoyed it, it had never really dawned on me that, you know, taking on the challenge of here you are running a big major corporation and you go and get on the board of directors of some small company, you can really take your wisdom and advice and lead them somewhere. And that's fun. And that's when it dawned on me. If you don't make things fun, people don't do it. Money is a way of keeping score. The, that real success is the quality of your experience. And if what you enjoy is playing the stock market, then that's what you should do. Uh, I found a profession I really like. Uh, I listen to people say stupid things and get them to laugh at it and show them an easier way. What could be better? Uh, I model uh, all kinds of successful people. So I get to learn new things all the time. It is a great job, and uh, and and that's why you do it brilliantly. It's funny because we had um, David McCourt, who's a multi-billionaire, on the uh, podcast um, recently, and he said exactly the same thing. He said he only does it. He's already a multi-billionaire. He only does it because he loves it and he has fun every day. And so, you know, they, they do say that if you, uh, if you never want to work another day in your life, do something you love and, and just have fun with it. The problem is, is most people don't know what that is. So you got to try a lot of things. You know, it, it, it's like young people, you know, I tell them, I go, before you get married, you know, meet a lot of women so that you have a cross section. Because, you know, if you go on a thousand dates, you're more likely to find a good person that if you go out on three, you're, you know, you got to kiss a lot of frogs to find a prince. 
So you think that's true in business as well? You've got to find lots of things, try lots of things in order to find something that really fits you. Or at least expose yourself to them, you know, that uh, I I meet young people now and uh, I I can see, I could foretell a lot of what the future will hold for them. Uh, I I met people from a freshman class and I said, what are you going to do in college? And instead of say, have fun and learn and explore, they would go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a, 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 a BA in business, then I'm going to get an MBA, and then I'm going to go to law school, and I'm going, you know, and they had it down, I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer, I'm going to apprenticeship, and I'm going, they got the next 35 years planned out. And what happens if they get there and they discover they hate being an entertainment lawyer, or they hate being this? Uh, you know, one of the uh, psychiatrists that I knew uh, went to law school and became a lawyer and discovered he just hated it. So he went back to medical school and became a doctor. And then he worked in a hospital and discovered he hated it. And he should have gone and hung out with doctors and find out what they do. You know, and, uh, you know, if you don't like what somebody does, then that's the wrong job for you. And, you know, most people are thinking about finding a career instead of finding a lifestyle. See, humor doesn't mean you're laughing every moment. You know, some people think, you know, if you add humor to something, you're laughing all the time. It's really about enjoyment. Uh, You may be laughing and singing on the inside and deadly serious on the outside. Uh, I asked a judge once how he kept doing this year in and year out. And he, quite frankly, he said, well, he said, I may appear to be deadly serious, but on the inside, I'm telling myself jokes every minute. He's going, how could this guy be so stupid? You know, he goes, he's going to go to jail for 17 years for robbing $30 from some convenience store. Is everyone funny, Richard, potentially? I had the most boring, tedious client once. Uh, A shrink referred this woman to me. And inside of five minutes, I was ready to pull my hair up by the roots. I had hair then. (laughs) uh, She spoke like this, never faster, never slower. She was a depressive, and I can understand why. I ran into her two years later and on a street in San Francisco where comedy clubs were. And I just saw her on the street and I went, Martha. And she turned around and looked at me and she went like this pointed up and her name was on the marquee and I I went you became a comedian and she goes yeah she goes I imitate the way I used to be and everybody finds it hysterical she did a satire of herself and that was her comedy routine so if the worst depressive can become a funny person pretty much anybody can Uh, but not until they start being less serious I went to a conference once and uh, they were asking people what the, they considered to be the worst psychological problem. And uh, these doctors were all, you know, saying, you know, uh, depression and, you know, and there was a split personality. And, and I was on the end of the podium when they got to me and they said, you know, uh, what do you think the worst problem is? And I said, seriousness, because it's pervasive and it's stifling. And it causes all the rest of the problems. If you're too serious, you can never escape your model of the world, your understanding of things. We all have to understand, but we don't have to hold it constant.
you know, when you have ideas that don't work, change the ideas and set yourself free. Freedom is everything. Love is all the rest. Talking about uh, humor, how did you develop your humor? Because um, your good friend John Laval told me a story that once uh, about you hitchhiking and being picked up by uh, somebody who actually had a profound effect on your humor. I didn't really get to know him other than he gave me a ride because he wanted to try his comedy routine. He talks of, you know, he it just simple things like, why do you call a hot water heater? You wouldn't make it a cold water heater, uh, but actually it makes more sense um, that all of it was a play on words. And when I started thinking about how funny language is itself, I started listening better. When I teach, I get people to laugh a lot. And it's part of the way I'm able to teach them new things is because the release of oxytocin, which you know uh, they found with autistic children when they injected them with oxytocin, they started being, instead of being afraid of everybody and pushing them away, they started recognizing which facial expression is which. It's part of how our re neurology recodes itself. And, uh, you know, a little endorphins, a little oxytocin, and probably some other things we don't know about allow us to change the neural pathways. Because the longer we live, the more neural pathways we build. And if, if we get ones that are just circling in an unuseful way, we have to get out of the loop. And part of the way you jump out of the loop and add something new, because all the memories you ever have are there. All the learnings you are there, but you have to be able to put something on top of it so you don't go down the same road. Otherwise, you would still be, still be afraid to crawl. You know, if we start playing with things, we find new ways of doing them and we learn new patterns that sometimes it's as simple as shrinking an old idea down, blinking it black and white and putting up a new picture. Uh, you put a new picture in your head, complete with new feelings and you get new behaviors. When I wrote the book, Using Your Brain for Change, uh, I wanted to get across the simple idea that it's your brain. And if you don't take control of it, it will just keep running on the way it is. And if you don't like it, that's bad. If you like it, that's great. So you keep what works and what doesn't work, you have to change. And if you can't look at it and go, this is absolutely ridiculous. You know, you don't want to find it out when you're 50 or 90. You want to find it out as soon as possible so you can learn to behave differently. Using your brain for a change is one of, I love all of your books, Richard, but it's one of my absolute favorites. I also love the ambiguity of the title, which I think is, is genius. Um, what would the world be like without humor? C-SPAN. <laughs> you know okay. what C-SPAN is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a panel that just plays what government officials are talking about. Committee meetings, you know, uh, you know, uh, speeches in the House of Representatives. That this channel that's got to be the most humorless thing on the face of the earth. Years ago, uh, Virginia Satir took me to Stanford to hear a guy who was famous. He wrote a book called Joy. And he got up and started talking about joy. And he was the most joyless person I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, he, he went on this monologue without any intonation. It was a monotonous description about how important joy was. 
And I thought it was like a Saturday Night Live skit. I kept laughing and I was the only one in the room. Finally, somebody came and asked me to leave because they looked at me and they said, humor is a really serious business. And I thought anybody that could say something that stupid really needs to tape record themselves and play it a few times. That uh, to me that, you know, humor is a state of consciousness. And, you know, it's like people think there's a thing called happiness. It's not, it's an adverb. We happily do things. We humorously do things. And if you humorously look at your limitations, it opens new doorways. If you seriously look at your, your limitations, you justify them. Quick fire questions, Richard. When was the last time that you actually cried with laughter? That would probably be when my daughter was young and she came up and asked me, she said, tell me it's not true. Paul McCartney was not in a band before Wings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, out of the mouths of babes. That's brilliant. Um, what sound makes you laugh, Richard? <laughs> now there's the ultimate comedy anchor, isn't it? Farts are always funny. Who always brings a smile to your face? My wife. Lovely. My Would dog. You and, your, and your dog. Oh, yeah. Dogs don't worry about shit. You know, when they want something, they just stare at you until you give it to them. <laughs> Would you rather tell a great joke or listen to a great joke? I'd rather listen to one, but I think I end up telling them most of the time, but not joke jokes, but uh, yeah, I like listening to a good joke. I, I, you know, uh, especially when they're weaved together over, you know, not a short joke, but something. I saw the amazing Jonathan one time and he did this uh, talk about a garage sale and it went on for about 30 minutes endlessly. And it was just nonsense, but it was incredibly funny. Um, Is there a quote that makes you smile or laugh? Well, I do like uh, the one from Einstein, you know, that the universe has given us everything. Um, I think, you know, when you keep that in perspective, instead of thinking of being, you know, in your life, that you think of things as the 30 billion uh, year run from the beginning of the universe and ending up with you, uh, kind of puts things in perspective. You know, people go, you know, I, I, I made a mistake yesterday and you start thinking, you're not a mistake, you know, you're, you're the, the end of all the things that have been put together since the beginning of time to the present. Evolution was designed, all of the things of scattering planets and building galaxies was so that we could be here now, uh, so that we could look back at the universe and it could know itself. Uh, I think ultimately we will go to the stars, uh, but consciousness is the greatest part of evolution and starting from the Big Bang to the present. And uh, the fact that people will use it 
uh, to think about such small things uh, and, and, and not look at the universe, not look at the stars and think, how amazing is it to be here? Just amazing. So when Einstein said, you know, what, is, what would you want people to know about the universe? It gives us absolutely everything. Everything from immense galaxies, time, and that new pair of Prada shoes. And finally, Desert Island Dinner. You can take three comedians, living or dead, to a desert island to have an endless dinner. Who would they be? Certainly George Carlin would be there. Um, I love the George Carlin quote, which uh, I'm a huge George Carlin fan, which is, uh, think of how stupid the average person is and then realize half of them are stupider than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to think right now of, of more. I think I'd be happy just having him there. Okay, you've got it. You can have George Carlin to dinner. Uh, on your desert island. Richard Bandler, thank you for all the learnings and all the laughs. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you again. Well, it's been a pleasure, Paul. It's nice to see you doing so well. Join us again next week for the second part of our chat with Dr. Richard Bandler. The Humorology podcast was hosted by Paul Barros and produced by Simon Banks. Music by Steve Hayworth, creative direction by Les Hughes, and additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.